Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. The beat goes on. The beat goes on. Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain. La da 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 dee. La da 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 da. Charleston was once the rage
Well, good afternoon, everybody. I would like to welcome you all to a little thing that we call a cup of joe. Uh, for all you first-timers, as you might imagine, my name is Joe. And uh, this is the podcast radio show. And the purpose of it is manifold. First of all, um, it gives me a sounding board. It gives me a place to vent my frustrations and hopefully um, a sounding board, a place for me to rally some troops, a place for me to be able to reach out and uh, share ideas. Um, I am CEO of a company, a nonprofit company that is called the Human Solution International. And we're a civil rights organization. And we're of the mindset that cannabis prohibition is a gross violation of civil rights and that it shouldn't happen, it shouldn't be. And in this world of uh, a lot of change, a lot of... uh, political warfare going on, a lot of uh, very strong-minded individuals on both sides of the polar spectrum. Politically, we, for whatever reason, have thought it's a good idea to relinquish a good chunk of our freedom in the name of accomplishing something. Some call it baby steps. Some call it progress. Some call it uh, an end. Some are happy with these with these steps. And what I'm talking about is marijuana legalization. And I use the word marijuana incorrectly because that's what they do. These these laws that are passed aren't called cannabis laws generally. They're called marijuana laws. So that's what I'm referring them to as. Um, I'm just sharing this live feed here real quick on my public page, and away we go. So, anyways, we're dedicated to the notion that prohibition doesn't work and that there are actually true victims of cannabis prohibition or the drug war, as many people call it, and that those victims should be supported and that... um, Anybody surrounding this should be educated, and that there is a way that can give us what we want, which is freedom. That's all I'm asking for. And as the CEO of this organization, um, a founding member of this organization, and one of the people that has benefited from this organization as much as anybody could, I'm not willing to rest until we have that freedom. I'm not okay with being oppressed by oppressive laws. I'm not okay with being regulated. How many of you like to be regulated? Apparently most of you because that's what we keep promoting. Tax and regulate. We promote legalization. How many activists have a t-shirt that says legalize it? What does legalize mean? It doesn't mean you're free to do what you want. 
as long as you don't hurt anybody. It doesn't mean that you have an inalienable right to grow a plant that never killed anybody. It doesn't mean that you can make medicine out of this plant and take it for yourself or give it away or sell it or take it across state lines. It doesn't mean any of that. It means that certain people that go through certain hoops, that pay certain fees and fines and permits, can do certain things. That's all it means. That's what legalized means. So I don't know why we're in such an uproar about our accomplishments when what we've accomplished is just what I described. And I'm frankly a little bit disgusted with that. I'm, I'm unfortunately bound by it because I live on this planet in this state and I am legally bound by these horrible laws in whatever way they affect me. But that doesn't mean that I support them and that doesn't mean that I'm willing to follow them at all times and it doesn't mean that I don't consider myself primarily still to be an outlaw. That's ridiculous in a world where so many people think that we've already won. We've already done it. So that's a big part of the Human Solution. The Human Solution International is not just about pot. It's not a pot group whatsoever. We recommend it. We support veterans' rights, disabled rights. We We support human rights. That's what we're about. We're about solidarity. Look that up. It's an important word. It's a word that shows people standing together for a purpose or a cause. That's what we're about. We're about teaching, education, and solidarity, supporting each other in our times of need. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. I am in a much better mindset today than I was last week at this time. Um, However, I don't consider that we're any closer to our goals today than we were last week at this time. I don't know that we're further away from it either, but I I, I know that uh, so many people are mistakenly celebrating living in a world where they feel that everything's good. I talk to activists all the time. I talk to people that um, are not activists because they don't think they need to be. I don't know how many people that are in the industry now, thousands and thousands of people in this emerging industry, that feel like they're cool, they're doing it right, they're following the law, they're legal. Legal, they say. So I want to talk today about a plan, about a vision, about um, my vision, and I want to maybe understand your vision a little bit, because I'm a person that believes in the creative thought process. I don't believe in it, I know it. I don't believe in much, I know a lot of things. And what I know is that when human beings think about something in a particular way, in a way that's clear and in a way that is three-dimensional and in a way that is well uh, described, and if we think about it in a way that has a desire built into it and that if we're willing to take an action, that we can make anything happen. And I know this because I've done it. (laughs) I've done it over and over again. And I've watched other people do it over and over again. And I've helped people do it over and over again. 
and I'm willing to do it over again. But I'm not going to let go of this one until we get my vision. And so a little bit later on in the show, I'm going to talk about my vision. But my vision's all on about freedom. My vision's not one about being regulated. My vision's not one about being taxed. My vision's not one about being controlled. My vision's one about my civil liberties, my civil rights that don't infringe on yours or anybody else's for that matter. I just can't get my head around the need to control something if it doesn't impact somebody negatively. Now, I'm not saying that you can't apply rules to an industry that do affect other people in the way that they operate and such. I have yet to have a single person engage me on this show or anywhere else. And I I had a family member attempt to over the weekend, but I'll explain that. It was kind of sad, actually. I have yet to have anybody come into my world and explain to me why this plant needs to be regulated why we need to be regulated and taxed so egregiously because of this plant, as opposed to anything else. I uh, talk a lot about the similarities between things and the similarities between this plant and another plant. And in another forum, I was, you know, I'm always being asked about hemp and the hemp plant and the, the ridiculous notion that there's a hemp plant. There's a cannabis plant. That's it. Cannabis indica, cannabis sativa, cannabis ruderalis. There is no cannabis hemp. It doesn't exist. And yet all of the ridiculousness that comes out of the term hemp. And when we talk about all of these ridiculous things, again, I keep saying, explain to me. Somebody explain to me why we need to go through this. And yet nobody has, not one person ever. And I wait. I continue to throw it out there. I welcome you if you want to join the show and explain to me why this plant needs to be treated differently from all the other ones, why this medicine needs to be treated differently from all the other ones, why we can't why we can't even follow the same guidelines that the FDA does. You know, we talk about about our fears of this plant and all of the side effects and the terrible things that are going to happen. What about the children? And yet look at every single FDA-approved medicine. Every single one. There's warnings. Warnings. All kinds of warnings. Don't take this with that. Don't operate machinery. Don't, don't this, don't that. May cause exponential problems. None of which does this one cause. So I, I, I struggle a lot with this. So my vision, we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about a plan. I'm tired of living in a world where we don't operate with the plan. We have thousands and thousands and thousands of people who claim to be allies, claim to be members of the movement, support cannabis, All of this, 
And there's all of these little, teeny little splinter groups everywhere. Big groups, little groups, side groups. Groups, 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 groups. Everywhere there's groups. And everybody has, we're going to do this little thing. We're going to do that little thing. We're going to do this. Oh, here's what we got to do. Sign this petition. Sign that petition. Do this, do that. But we have no unity. And we don't have an actual plan of action. We don't have a plan. And so we wonder. We wonder why our asses continue to get handed to us. We wonder why we fall for these Trojan horses and then cry about it later. We wonder why these things happen to us. And yet we walk around without a plan. We walk around without unity. And our adversaries, our enemies, has a plan and has unity. And they get paid for it. And then we scratch our heads and whine and bitch and moan. So Albert Einstein is accredited with uh, a saying, and whether he came up with it or not, I don't know. But I think it's a good one, and it bears repeating. And it's something to the effect of a definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Now, I don't think that that's the same thing as working at something until you get that result. But if you do something again and again and it doesn't work, I have to think to myself, is the reason it doesn't work that you didn't do it enough? Or is the reason that it didn't work that it's just flawed? And sometimes one can be the other. If we don't have willing participants, a group project isn't going to work very well. So then maybe there needs to be another goal. Maybe we need to gather the group together first. Maybe we need enough people in the same room before we can come up with a plan. Maybe that should be the plan. I don't know, but I want to talk about it today. And then another thing that I, I stumbled upon in my, my daily musings, I've been uh, studying the life of Benjamin Franklin, another interesting person in my world. Not in my world today, but in my world of history. And Benjamin Franklin was an individual that paid attention. He prided himself on virtue and paying attention, being mindful of things. And he was successful in a lot of ways because of that, because he noticed things, he was on it, and he paid attention to things. And he noticed this, and I think we might notice it as well, and maybe we can come up with a plan. He said this, it is the working man who is the happy man, and it is the idle man who is the miserable man. And I can't help but think that when you are busy, whether you're working on a job that you get paid by the hour, or whether you're working on a project that you find important, your day goes by fast, you feel productive, you're physically active, generally you tend to be happy. And when you don't have anything to do, you tend to be bored, you tend to be miserable, you tend to start causing trouble. So once again, no, the two would sort of dovetail into each other. What if we had a plan to give 
all of these people who aren't working will plan something to do. And what if some of you that are sitting around being angry and destructive and 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 miserable as, you know, go to social networking. You want to see some misery? Go say something controversial on social media and watch all the miserable people come out. And they will they will attack you with vengeance because they're got nothing to do. They're not doing anything. They're sitting at a goddamn computer going Well, what if we were to focus our energy to accomplish something? I don't know. It's just a thought. I I can't help but think that if these things are sparkling like little gems in my world, in my side of vision, that possibly they're important. Um... We are coming up onto election cycle. I talked about this every week for the past, I don't know how many weeks. Um, And when I say we, I'm talking about this organization, the Human Solution International. Uh, We have a 501c3 nonprofit status, federally recognized. We're a California corporation, also recognized as tax-exempt, which means we are fully transparent, fully compliant, and able to do amazing, wonderful things. Problem is, everybody's busy doing their own thing, and it's been very difficult lately uh, to accomplish, uh, to use our banner, to use our moniker in a way that can be effective, because it exists. Now, there's Lots of amazing people doing lots of amazing things out there. I am not in any way um, have anything to say about that. But we got Craig Cecil calling in, and we'll see where we pick up afterward. But we're going to talk about those elections. You will not be charged for this call. Where's the call is from? Craig Cecil. An inmate at a federal prison. This call is being recorded and is subject to monitoring. Craig Cecil, how are you doing today? Hello, Joe. This is FBI Terre Haute, Indiana calling. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing better than most of the folks that are where you are, and uh, we've actually cooled off a little bit, so I'm in uh, remarkably good spirits today. Fantastic, and... uh Hopefully you're not in a big cloud of smoke, because I hear there's still a lot of that out on your coast. <laughs> well, yeah, there is a lot of smoke. We're finally starting to get a, a handle on the uh, the fires. Apparently the fire near me is uh, supposed to be contained by next week, and the biggest fire in California history is supposed to be contained by the end of the month, I think. So um, they're finally making some progress on it, but the devastation is historical and permanent. You know, you don't recover from a fire like the fire up north. 200,000 acres or some such amount has been destroyed, and it, it, it doesn't come back the way it ever was. You know, forests take hundreds of years to grow and days to burn down. So it's kind of a brutal... Uh, a brutal scenario, and the one in, in near me was an arson fire, 
And, you know, it's 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 crazy how how destructive people can be so darn destructive. Yes, I mean I, I imagine it's been a panicure state changes its face every few years, but uh, this is not the way to do it. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. So, um how's everything going over there? Any progress on some of the fronts you've been uh Assaulted by? Has, has there been any change in the medical uh, the medical uh, services? Remember, I sit right over the top of a TV, and there must be something funny on Columbia's laugh. Oh, that's all right. There's definitely uh, definitely worse things to do than laugh. That's for sure. Now, I, I did learn a little less, uh, lesson yesterday that. Maybe you take for granted nowadays, but um, there's been a bunch of the uh, conservative talk show hosts that have been way against uh, reforming the marijuana laws and reforming the, uh, um, you know, sentencing uh, laws because they're, they're determined that, well, these people are all convicted and sentenced, you know, we shouldn't disturb any of that. Now, recently, um, one of the uh, uh, hosts, uh, Sean Hannity, spoke with uh, Alice Johnson, who's turned out to be a, a fantastic spokesperson for all of us in prison. She's the woman that Trump uh, commuted her life sentence for cocaine here uh, right. know, about a month or six weeks ago. But uh, she she convinced him that, you know, that there's many sentences that are wrong and, you know, maybe we need to start looking to reform that there's obviously something wrong with our sentencing laws. That a violent crime only, you know, subjects somebody up to, you know, a non-murder crime anyway, uh, subjects a person up up to 20 years in prison. But a marijuana crime, you know, a first-time offender can get a life sentence. I can definitely verify that. But one thing that I did learn yesterday is I asked some somebody to, uh, well, could you give me his address? I'd like to, like, you know, write to him and, you know, maybe start a discourse with him. And I found out you can't do that anymore. <laughs> really? Those kind of those kind of people they, they don't give out their address. And I guess it's because, you know, there's been so many events of people sending them chemicals or bombs or things of that nature. So I guess you can't get celebrities, you know, just regular US you know, postal uh, address anymore. So wow. that's something new to me. They they need to be approved in advance. I guess it's a fairly long process that get somebody like that, you know, get a hold of an address to their business, <laughs> to their broadcast company. Wow. Well, you know, it's funny. Um, these people that are so-called celebrities, they could make such a difference if they were to band together and do things other than wag their fingers at at a, a at a general political uh scene. And I wonder can't help but wonder if, you know, they've got this movement, this Me Too movement, which I have no issue with that. Nobody should, should take advantage of anybody ever. And nobody should cause harm to anybody ever. That's not the point. But the point is what if we were to maybe be a little more specific about what we want, you know? And and what if we were to maybe identify some of these things, like like these 
some of these sentences need to be reviewed. Prison reform law. Um, th this is a topic that's been coming up for years now, more than five years. Uh, that it's been, a, you know, there's been legislation that's moved forward. There's been some sentencing uh, guide changes. There's been certainly discussion. There's been commutations. There's been all of this stuff, but we've never really identified a specific goal and gone after it. And there's never been enough of a groundswell of these so-called celebrities that could be making a, have enough influence to make a difference. They got money. They got followers. And if they were to all go to their followers and say, hey, why don't we and insert whatever goal might be, I can't imagine that this wouldn't rally the hundreds of thousands of people that would make a difference. And yet you just never see that happen. No, unfortunately, let's call it from a federal prison. You see, whole list, like right now there's some uh, bills that have been brought up in the different chambers of Congress, but they're, they each list 10 or 15 different things, and a majority of them aren't even feasible. And, uh, but they put all these things out just to impress the, you know, the people that might vote for them. Like you say, these, these bills just, just die where they're at because they're, from a legal point of view, not even feasible in many situations. Uh, you just can't make a whole lot of retroactive, you, you can't make actually a retroactive law at all. Exactly. Congress because there's what they call the uh, ex post facto or after the fact uh, limitation. But what they could do is make a law that says as of till tomorrow, Judges can resentence people based on these factors. Exactly. And that's where I think. That's where I think. You know, if we're going to gain some traction, I think that's where it ought to be. Is you know, let's identify what's wrong and allow judges to fix it. No, I I, I totally agree, and I think that you know, common sense. I I was just reading a biography of Benjamin Franklin, and he was all about common sense, and you know. It just isn't very common, and especially not in the political arena. And when you think about the political machine and you think about, uh, you know, what politicians do, and all generally they do is work on keeping their job. Usually from the second they get elected, they're working on their next election. And, you know, you look at even the presidential election cycle, it used to be about nine months long. Now it's about two years long. And you just got to think, why don't we spend our time doing the job that you're hired to do? And I just can't imagine that in this world where we have the electronic ability to record every single thing that ever happens, that we don't hold some of these politicians' feet to their fire and say, look, you said this. We're not going to elect you again because you didn't do it. And we don't seem to do that, you know. I, I, everybody makes these election promises and, and all this grand going to do this and going to do that. And even like you say, they'll support a bill right before election time that may or may not have any chance of moving forward. But these, as soon as the election cycle is over, these things sit and die in committee and never move forward because if they had, we'd have some change. And I can't just wonder why we don't hold their feet to the fire and demand we can replay their their previous election speeches. We can replay their, their candidate speeches. Why don't we 
do that? Why don't we replay the candidate's election speech from last year and say, this is what you said you were going to do, and then lay out their record of the last three, two years, four years, six years, whatever that cycle was, and said, you said this, you did this, you're out. Well, we have a lot of our politicians, they, they campaign on, you know, that we're going to do criminal justice reform. Our criminal justice system is broken. We need to fix it. But the whole, this call is from a federal prison. The whole idea of sending people to prison a lot of times is they're out of sight, out of mind, out of society. And I think that's what happens to our issues is because, you know, we're not there in front of everybody every day. But, you know, our biggest strength is you and uh, your listeners to remember us and to, you know, say, hey, you know, this sentence isn't right. You know, how could this person get a sentence worse than murder <laughs> or a marijuana crime? Exactly. And that's, what, that's where, you know, you give us, you know, any uh, platform that we have. And but like the politicians, uh, President Obama in his second term was determined to cut down, you know, all these wrongful sentences and all that. And, they, and his whole administration made all kinds of promises and all that. And they just fell flat. I mean, he did do 1,700 commutations. But uh, he promised to do over 10,000 when he started and never hired any additional people. He never put, you know, additional uh, resources towards processing these or all that. And they left the uh, Trump administration with 8,800 applications that hadn't been processed yet. So the former Trump administration, even if they want to start to do something, they've got to clean up what was left to them from the last administration and their promises. Well, if you look at it this way, when a president wants to accomplish something, and they put their effort into it, they can. Obama accomplished something that nobody's ever accomplished before. He, he, uh, he, he got his health care bill passed, and he put a tremendous amount of energy to it, and he did something that could never be done, but he did it, right? So if he was yeah. to put a, a fraction of that energy into this, he could have easily accomplished it without any problem. And I think that that's where the light, the shine the light of the truth starts shining down pretty bright. You look at what you can do, and you can do anything if you put your mind to it. And when you do something that's so remarkable as that, and you can't even accomplish something that is not even all that remarkable, it wouldn't be that difficult. He could have hired a staff of 20 people, 10 people, probably five people could have got it done, and yet that didn't happen. But how so much of this falls out of the mainstream, I, but you're right. That there needs to be a political will. Now, right now, we do have an advocate in the White House, in uh, uh, Jared Kushner, because he used to visit his father in federal prison every weekend. So he really has a problem with the way prisons are, are run and how people are let out the front door of the prison, and they have you know no support. They have no ability to get a job. They have no you know, resources in many situations, and they end up reoffending just to, to survive. So really, the whole idea of prison fails. You send them to, to prison to teach them not to commit more crimes, but then you throw them out on the street with nothing, and they pretty much have to commit a crime to survive. So the, the whole prison experience didn't work. And uh, at least 
Mr. Kushner is uh, really trying to make an effort so that prisoners are supported upon their release, so that getting jobs is easier for them, getting housing is easier for them, you know, things of that nature. So there's, he is at least shown a willingness to do that, but there is no, you know, real um, big push in the Congress yet. There's one bill that includes some of those um, things in it, but it includes some other things that are probably doomed. But uh, at least we have a support, you know, for the people leaving prison. Now they have to look at why the people are stuck in prison, especially, you know, senior citizens like John Knox and others. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, I, I, and, you know, it, it, it's funny. I This show is being uh, streamed live, and there's all these people, and they make a lot of comments. And, you know, there's a lot of... Um, a lot of angst because of, of both sides of the political spectrum. And I hear so much, you know, I don't know, just negative comments. But very seldom do we hear anybody say, here's what we need to do. Craig, that's your second beep. I'm going to give you the rest of the time here. Okay, but I'd like everybody, again, to get a hold of your congressman. Let's get Congress to get the feds out of marijuana and uh my sentence will look that much more ridiculous being in prison for a crime that no longer exists. So please, please get on these congressmen. Make them actually stand up and, and uh, own up to those promises about marijuana. Well, I couldn't agree more. And, and, you know, we need to keep doing what we can. And, you know, I don't know how many, uh, how many people tell me, I'm doing everything, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Great. Then get somebody else to help. You know, there's always there's always more can be done. And even if you are the one person who's actually doing everything that you can do, like you can't do anymore, literally, which doesn't exist, but there's always one more thing we can do. But if you were that person, the one thing you could do is to get one more person to help. And I think that that's what we need to focus some attention on. I think that unity becomes the thing that we don't have. It doesn't become it. It is the thing that we don't have. And it's the thing that, in my opinion, would end this, would completely end this. So if you hadn't noticed, Craig's second beat came off. And, um, you know, what that means is he's cut off. He gets 15 minutes to talk to us, 15 minutes from federal prison where he's serving life, or pot. Now think about that. Just just think about that. You know, for everybody who thinks we're making progress, yeah, great. We are. I'm not saying we we haven't accomplished something. We're not in some way better than we were. Okay, but we're not anywhere near where we need to be. And there isn't a loud increasing drumbeat of people saying this is what we need to do, and here's our specific and clearly defined goals. We don't have that. So I'm saying, why don't we do that? Why don't we do that here and now? Why don't we take a piece of today's show and let's start creating this plan? I welcome you to call me on this show. Pick up your phone and dial 646-929-2495 and tell me, what's your plan? What can we do 
to bring us closer to a world where we have freedom, where the cannabis plan is no longer a criminal act at all, ever, period. Can't be. That doesn't mean stealing it isn't a criminal act. That doesn't mean all the other crimes that are actually crimes aren't criminal acts. I mean that this plant, in and of itself, is not a criminal act. When are we going to get that? When are we going to? When are we going to decide that that's what we want? Well, if you do decide that that's what you want, I welcome you to call in and share with me and share with the rest of the listeners what can we do about it. What's our plan? I'd like to talk about that plan. Um. All right, when I left off before Craig called in, we were talking about the elections. And as I've mentioned before, uh, as far as I know, we're the only organization that every two years uh, re-elects its leadership or elects its leadership for the first time. Um, We have an open and transparent election. Every single active member has a vote. And by active member, I mean either you're a member the hard way or you're a qualified uh, volunteer member, or you paid your dues currently. A lot of people have been members in the past, and uh, it's been two years or three years or five years since you actually paid your dues. Well, guess what? That doesn't give you a vote. I, I welcome your support. We all welcome everybody's support. We welcome the fringe helpers. We welcome everybody that cares about our common goals. But to be a part of this organization, we all make certain commitments and certain sacrifices, and that's what separates this group from whatever, anything else. So we have a page on our website. The website is thsintl.org, and there's an election page right up in the top button. And when you click it, it talks about the nominations for these positions. And as I've done for the last several uh, weeks and even months, I'm going to go back through it. There hasn't been any new applicants or any new nominations in the last couple of weeks, um, but we're still going to uh, review. Now remember, if you want to nominate yourself or somebody else, you just have to be a member in good standing for the past two years and well, you can nominate somebody else as long as they qualify. And if they're not a member in good standing for the last two years, there's exceptions can be made, but it, it has to be approved. These nominations are going to be running for, I believe, another two or three weeks. And the election, I don't think we've set the final date, but it will be in September, probably towards the end of September. So a couple of weeks before the actual election, the nomination uh, line will be cut off and we're going to uh, unveil the election process. So if you want to nominate yourself or somebody else, go to the bottom of that page, and there's a uh, form to fill out. as your first and last name required, email required, name of nominee required, and the position is now there. I wasn't there in the beginning, and there's a few people that originally had submitted their names, but not the position they were running for, so they are not on this, but if they decide they still want to run, they got to get in and re repost. Anyways, for president and CEO, 
Myself and Pete Yapel are currently running for vice president. We have our current vice president, Lisa Wildridge. Yay. Glenn Keeling and Pete Yapel are running for that. Treasurer and CFO, Becca Nichols is running uncontested currently. Um, for secretary, Pete Yapel is running uncontested currently. Chairman of the board, I'm running uncontested. And then our board members. We have uh, five board members plus the chairman currently, and uh, we have the ability to expand the board if needed. So theoretically, everybody that's being nominated could be uh, elected to the board. Uh, currently, we have Becca Nichols, who is a board member, Pete Yapel, who's not a board member, Peggy Kimmel, who's not a board member, Glenn Keeling, who's not a board member, Lisa Wildridge, who is a board member, Laura Roberts, who's not a board member, and Mary Donnelly, who is a board member. So these are the current uh, nominees for our leadership positions. And there are other leadership positions that um, we have and that are available. They're just not elected positions. So uh, we have a membership coordinator, and we have a, a community outreach coordinator, and we have the ability to put up a number, a media coordinator, um, but these are not elected positions as they're hard enough to fill. So if you want to be part of our leadership and you're willing to help out and um, not do damage, hey, we'll let you in and uh, just got to be an active member. All right, so that's the elections, and uh, if you are not mentioned and you wish to be, Please go on and get yourself nominated. All right. We have, oh, we've got a new caller here, Mickey from Boston. Uh, I don't know Mickey, so uh, let's see what he's got to say. Hopefully something interesting. Maybe he's got a plan. Let's see where we're at. Mickey from Boston, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? <laughs> hey, Joe. It's Miguel. Oh, Mickey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Can, can you hear uh, me okay? Yeah, everything's fantastic. I hear you just fine. So this is Good. Miggy. I didn't, I didn't uh, get him from Boston. I think he's from anywhere <laughs> in the world. Miggy, Miggy travels around. So how the heck right. are you? Good, man. You know, we're doing uh, Seattle Half Fest this weekend. Yeah, yeah. We've got uh, George Martirano um, is going to be out there. He's a, he's a strong member of our organization, and uh, we've been out there in years past. Um, it's just a, it's a big, it's a big hall and a big commitment to get a bunch of people that to come out and set up a table and all that. So we've we've not been out there for a couple of years as an organization. Well, you guys are going to be this this year through uh, the help that you've done with Kristen. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, we're. I mean, we're there in our in our actions and we're there in our support of the people that are out there doing the same work, so don't get me wrong. Just because we don't have a, a physical giant table doesn't mean that uh, we're not there. Absolutely. Well, you're gonna have a, we're going to have a big Human Solution ribbon in front of the table at this one. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Well, I can't wait to see some pictures of that. And you know, I had some amazing time at the Tempest a couple of years ago. Um, I, you know, I'll get back up there one day. It's just uh, a long way away from me. Things going on. So tell me what uh, what you've been up to. I haven't talked to you in a little while. Well, I'm still uh, 
I'm blogging. I'm writing for Weed News primarily now. Weednews.co. Nice. And, uh, and what, you know, we're just uh, what's up? What What is the thrust of your blog? Uh, you know, we I work with a group of people that have been like longtime activists for a long time, and so you know, it's all about information, right? Like, as long as we all have the best information, uh, we can fight this thing called prohibition. Yeah, absolutely. That's that that's the whole that's the whole deal. That word prohibition doesn't seem to come up enough. You know, people, people talk about legalization and, and recreational and medical and all this other stuff, but the reality is prohibition still rampant. And, you know, Craig Cecil was just on the phone, you know, 20 minutes ago, and he's certainly evidence of that as well as all the rest of the, the folks that are currently behind bars. I mean, if that's not prohibition, well, you know- I don't know what the heck is. Well, if there wasn't a prohibition, there wouldn't be a hemp fest or a need for me to have a booth this weekend. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Well, you know, I've, I've always uh, considered you to be a strong ally and, and um, never been... you got a lot going on behind you. I'm not sure what's going on there, but... Uh, yeah, I'm walking in the public streets of Beacon anyway, Hill. I'm sorry. No, no it's all good. <laughs> It's all good. So, you know, you, you've had a lot of uh, very pointed words about a lot of different specific uh, targets. And I know law enforcement has uh, crossed a couple of times. And, and obviously the prisoner, um, uh, the prisoner phenomenon, the fact that we have prisoners for nonviolent crimes, to me should be a phenomenon, but it's, it just seems like it's business as usual, uh, depending on who you talk to. Um, but is there a specific target that you've been, you know, pointing your efforts at lately? Um, right now, you know, it's all about the constant daily battle. Um, every day is a different thing, right? Whether it's some state that passes some sort of bullshit CBD regulation or someone's kid taken away or just the guys that are in prison bars, you know, like until those guys are free, all this shit don't mean shit. Well, and, and here's, here's something that I've been throwing out today and, and I'm trying to come up with a plan. I mean, our plans so far have gotten us where we are, right? Everything that we've done as collectively as a society has brought us to where we are today. And I'm not happy with that. I know you're not happy with that. And I think that we have a lot to do. So my question is, I'm trying to come up with a plan that's different from the plan we had because the plan we had has only gotten us to where we are. It hasn't gotten us to where we need to go. Um, what, what do you think that we can do differently or more of or less of? Or what do you think that we can do to get us to a world where we don't have prohibition anymore? Well, I think the the original uh, intent of the solution, you know, like uh, given, you know, spreading the goddamn knowledge, like uh, jury nullification, that's a huge um, uh, tool. And and so, you know, unfortunately, it's not going to be overnight, you know, because if people cared about justice like they do football, we'd fucking be done with this shit. But <laughs> don't get me started on that one. <laughs> well, you know what I'm saying, though. I know. So exactly it's a long what fight. I'm 
I pissed and we've gotten further than we. But it's true. Yeah, yeah. If, if we were to take any of our pastimes, be it music or or sports or food or whatever the hell is our thing that we do, and take a twenty percent of the energy we put towards that and put it towards this, towards educating people about their rights, towards educating people about what we could actually do. There's so many things we could do, and if we all did them at once, if all the people that were at every football stadium on any given Sunday, so to speak, were to take one action, we could end prohibition in a very short period of time. And I've said that I don't know how many times, but, you know, all of the sports people start eyeballing me with their, you know, death looks, and I'm just like, yeah, sorry to offend you all, but it's true. It's just so true. But, you know, we were Oh, yeah, but, and that point, too, even the taking the knee thing. I mean, that all represents the same shit. Right. No, I agree. I agree. But, you know, and but what if we were to be a little more clear? What if we were to be a little bit more clear and say, I'm taking a knee, and here's what this means, very clearly, not the vague stuff that's going on and and all of the, you know, I don't know. I, I think we have these, these vague causes <laughs> these days. And, and you got you get uh, 10,000 people out going women's rights or this, that, or the other thing, but you ask them to make an articulate a point, a specific point. Say, how can I, how can I make you happy? How would I, how will you know when you've accomplished what you set out to? You know, yeah, we all need equal rights. Of course we do, but get specific about this. I can, you can. You know, I, I don't know. I just wish that we could get a little bit more clear about what we want. But, you know, that's why Seattle Hemp Fest is important, because they allow people to speak about that exact such thing, you know? Oh, like, I totally I, this agree. Yearly, I this yearly thing that uh, happens that we, we – okay. No, I'm just saying I, I, I will miss both listening to the to the people speaking and, and the ability to speak on those stages. Um I, I I do I do miss that by not being able to be there this year. But, but the whole event too, besides the uh, the education, it's it's like uh, it means more. It's a symbolic thing too, because you get two hundred thousand fucking just marijuana smokers and nothing fucking happens. <laughs> it's probably the most boring event in the fucking world, just because nothing happens. I couldn't agree more. It it it, <laughs> it is a, it's an epic phenomenon. If there is any, there, I don't think there's anything like it on the planet. I, I, I know when I when I went out there and was part of it, it was it was surreal to see all those people. And it's a long, narrow venue, and it goes on for like what a mile and a half or something like that. And it just yeah. you can literally walk for hours and just be surrounded by it. You're you're like in a totally different world, and you got the ocean on one side. And you got some old factories on the other side, and you've got you're in this island of of amazing people and um, amazing ideas, and you know you're surrounded by pioneers, people that people that have been part of of this uh, struggle for you know some some of these folks have been doing it for thirty, forty, fifty years. Oh yeah, I like to call them pot stars. Yeah, there you go, <laughs> and there's. That's that's a double-edged sword. There's a lot of folks that 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 consider 
or 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 out there are pot stars, and then there's 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 true pot stars. There's people that really you know walk the walk and, and yeah, for sure, for sure. So, anyways, well, I'm I'm really excited to uh, see that the work continues on out there, and I I know uh, George Martorano's going to be out there, and him and I've been working pretty closely together on a number of different fronts recently. So, um, we're we're I'm excited to to see what he has to say. He's been really working on his messages and, and working on his yeah. project. After being locked up for 32 years, um, he's finally starting to yeah. you know reach out and spread his wings a little bit. He's got a lot to think about. Oh yeah, no kidding, no kidding. Uh, yeah, I uh, just want everybody to know that um, we're going to be uh, getting letters signed, clemency and probation letters for seven prisoners. That's fantastic, and that's, you know, every time that we get to an event like this and, and there's a focus, like you guys have a, yeah, there's a specific goal here. We're getting letters signed for a specific purpose. You know, you could leave, you could potentially get thousands of letters for for each of these uh, each of these prisoners. That's the hope. Well, I... You know, I, uh, a physical... Uh, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I, I certainly know that the team you guys have there is capable of getting that done. Uh, you know, I've watched those people work yeah. together for a long time, and they're very, very capable, and, and they're passionate, and they're, they've, got the, they've got what it takes to get that done. So I, I look forward to seeing how it all plays out. Me too. Awesome. Uh, well, yeah, tell, tell, uh, tell everybody, come to Booth 491. We're going to be at Booth 491. All right. Excellent. Well, this is being uh, live-streamed right now, and so it's being preserved. Uh, Booth 491 at Seattle Hemp Fest. And when people are asking, what can I do? Show up. There's a real answer. There's something you can do. You can sign a letter. You can sign seven letters for seven prisoners and make a real difference. That's it. Beautiful. Well, Miggy, thank you so much for coming on the show. And um, whether you know it or not, you're always welcome to come aboard if there's anything that um, is important that you want to uh, bring attention to. Um, I absolutely welcome you uh, as a guest anytime. Right on, dude. Appreciate it. Yeah, i got to get back home now. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Miggy from Washington, um, longtime activist, friend of the Human Solution, a blogger, a writer. Um, this guy's an amazing guy. I've spent a little bit of time with him in person, and we've been working together um, over the internet for, geez, I don't know, six, seven years. It's been a, it's been a good long time. So, Mickey's one of the good ones, and uh, uh, we got good work going on at the Seattle Hemp Fest. And you can make a difference. Look for the booth, and you can literally, with a stroke of your pen, make a difference. And these letter-writing campaigns are important. We've seen letter-writing campaigns make a difference. We've seen action happen because of letters that have been submitted. Um, we had Pete Apel on the line before. He was going to be talking, uh, but he dropped off. So I'm not sure where he went. But uh, if I don't get more people that call in with a plan, uh, this is going to be me yapping the rest of the show. 
and there's another hour of the show left to go. So I would encourage you all to call in, participate. Let me know what your plan is. Uh, Miggy's plan I thought was a good one. Let's continue to educate. I think that education is the key. We've determined that a long time ago. That was one of the founding premises of the Human Solution International. Prohibition exists today because of a policy of deception and propaganda, lies, covering up the truth. That's why prohibition got a foothold, and that's why it continues to exist today. And it doesn't have a chance if the truth gets out. And people are weakened. People are um, impotent because they believe they have no power. Not because they have no power, but because they believe they have no power. And when you get that jury summons and you say to yourself, oh, i got to find a way to get out of that, you have made yourself impotent. And I'm sorry, that's the way it is. But you could have power. You could have the power of your governor, the power of the president of the United States, with the ultimate stroke of a veto by saying not guilty if you happen to be selected on a jury where you determine that an immoral or an unjust law is at stake. And an instruction given by the judge you determine to be immoral or unjust has been given. You have the right and even the responsibility if you find the law at stake to be unjust or immoral to vote not guilty. And there is nothing they can do to you for voting not guilty. This is your right. And how often does it happen? I haven't seen it happen once in federal court yet. Sat in I don't know how many federal cases. They always get convicted. They always get convicted. Because nobody's willing to do it. Nobody's willing to hold out and say no. No, not guilty. So, that's the truth. That's the truth that we all could... Uh, could be better served. Teaching and executing. All right. We've gotten through elections. We got through Seattle Hemp Fest. Did we get a story? Yeah, I've got a lot of stories <laughs> to tell. Um, what I want to talk about before we move on to another story is this show. Um, I do this show for a number of reasons. One of the reasons I do this show is um, to give Craig Cecil a voice. He calls every week, and he gets 15 minutes to talk, and he knows that when he's talking on this show that there's a chance that he could be speaking to literally thousands or tens of thousands of people. Maybe even more. The potential is endless, really. Every show is archived. The shows are, are streamed and live streamed. 
And if this show was effective enough, it could reach anybody. And it could have as much power as we were to allow it. And there are some weeks this show reaches thousands and thousands of people. And there are some weeks that this show weeks reaches hundreds of people. And I don't know what the difference is. I don't know if it's me. I don't know if it's the guests. I don't know if it's the topics. I don't know if it's the time the show's being held. I don't know what it is that some weeks brings a lot of people and some weeks brings very few people. But I'm willing to listen. I want this show to be a good show. I will do this show regardless of if people are listening or not. As anybody who knows me knows, um, I may take a week or two off if things get real quiet, but I'll always come back. It's actually one of, as long as I am the president and CEO of the Human Solution International, it's actually one of my roles and responsibilities is to do this show. So... um, I think there's a lot of potential power to this show. I think that um, I've watched this show have an impact more than once in a, in a substantial way. And, and yet, some weeks it falls flat. So I welcome you to share your thoughts about what would make this show better, uh, whether it's calling in right now, pick up your phone and dial Six four six nine two nine two four nine five, or you can message me or send a comment. Or there's everybody knows how to get a hold of me. It's it's a simple. Uh, I'm not hard to find. Um, so uh, let's talk about the vision. Becca was going to come on today, and uh, Becca had an emergency, and. I think that one of the reasons why we haven't succeeded with this goal of ending prohibition is because there's always an emergency that keeps key people from being able to do what it takes to get enough momentum to finish the job. I've been working with volunteers for... um, over 10 years in this particular venue, in this particular cause, in this particular way, through this particular organization. And I've found that one of the common, uh, most common things that happen is that good people will come together for a reason or a season, and then something will happen to keep us from accomplishing our goals and there's so many things that can do that. There's so many so many things that can cause us to not follow through. And it doesn't mean they're not legitimate. It doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with the people that are unable to do that. It's just a simple fact that if we were able to carry on, fortunately, Becca's role in this show is a backup but she did have a um, presentation she was going to do. She was going to do a, um, an anti-stress visualization that I thought was really going to be 
interesting, and I was really, really looking forward to it. I was looking forward to it last week, too, so this will now be the second week in a row she's been unable to do it. And, again, it doesn't speak ill of her. I could never speak ill of her. I love Becca. She's one of the hardest working, uh, most active activists I've ever known. Yep. And yet, we haven't gotten that done because there isn't anybody else that's been able to do it, that knows what she knows, the way she knows it. And I think that that's one of the things that we've fallen short in so many ways is we've always relied on a few people to rise up and be exceptional, uh, to be extraordinary in a world of, of ordinary beings and behaviors. And it's so hard to find exceptional people to do exceptional things and to get that to happen often enough to accomplish what we need. tells me we need more exceptional people to be engaged and we need um, more ordinary people to rise up and become exceptional. Um, so I think that that's one of the things that has kept us from this vision happening. Um, Pete Yaples called back in, and I'm going to get to him right away, but I want to I share my vision before we bring Pete up. And um, so first of all, of course, I'm, I'm very interested in hearing what we could do to make the show more interesting, more appealing, um, cause it to want more people to, to be a part of it. And I, by being a part of it, I don't mean just listening, I mean participating. You know, we need to unify, and we're not unifying. We've got all these, all these little fringe elements doing their fringe thing, and the outside doesn't see it. Because each one of us that's working hard and, and, and getting stuff done, it doesn't, nothing negative on you at all. In fact, you're amazing. But we're not doing it together. We're not doing it bright enough and loud enough to be seen because we haven't accomplished what we set out to. And frankly, on this course, I don't see that it's going to. I don't see that it's going to. So I'm going to share a vision. And what I'd like to do is, is to get everybody who's listening to maybe join me in this vision and maybe close your eyes or, or just listen. Listen and try to see what I'm, what I'm describing. And maybe if we can all see it, and maybe if you see something a little different, a little more or less or, or brighter or different color, that you can share that. Maybe we can, maybe we can all start to see a vision that's common. And maybe when we talk about ending prohibition and saying those two words, end prohibition, that we all see the same thing at the same time. And maybe when we start doing that, Loudly enough and clearly enough, maybe it'll start to happen. That's been my experience throughout all of my life. It's if I could see it clear enough and say it loud enough, it would start to happen. And when we go out in front of a, a, a rally and grab a group of people together and we say, what do we want? And people real, reach out and say, justice. And we say, when do we want it? And they say, now. A lot of times when we're saying that, we're seeing something in particular. There's a specific cause that we're there for, and we're visualizing that, and we've made it happen. I'm a free man without a felony record because of that, because of enough people and enough a, a vision that was clear enough and enough people showing up and getting that to happen that allowed that reality that wasn't destined, that wasn't likely, that wasn't even possible at a time, and yet it happened. And so... 
here's here's the way I see it. You know, when I when I, t- I say, how are we going to know when we've done it? How are we going to know when we've accomplished this? Well, I'm going to say, look out your window and see a field of pot plants. Maybe some on your front porch, maybe some on your walkway, some where your front lawn used to be. Why? Because that's what you wanted. And you're not afraid. And you could go to the store and there will be products made out of pot. And we'll call it pot instead of cannabis today. Because pot's a good generic term. It's a friendly term. It's a term that we all smile when we think about it. Pot. It just sounds nice. Pot. And I see that since I'm a tinker and I like to make things and lotions and potions and whatnot, I see that I could make a bunch of nice things and pack them up and send them in the mail anywhere in the world and not worry about it. Not worry about customs seizing it, not worrying about some feds come knocking on my door, not worried about did you get the package or not. A non-issue. That's a thing that I would see. I would see that if I happen to go to a court, the drug courts would be not full of pot people. Why? Because there wouldn't be any. I would I would see a world where I would look back on the history, on where we are today and where we have been in years past and look back and and have a feeling of disdain, much as we do in all sorts of horrors that have happened in in past history. And I would look back on prohibition in the same way I would have on alcohol prohibition, or in the same way I have during a number of dark times in our history, in our world's history. And you think to yourself, prohibition is, is oppression. Prohibition is tyranny. Prohibition is all those things that freedom fighters fight against. So I would envision looking in a in a history book or, or looking at some museum of what it used to be like when pot was a crime. I look at a time or I look at maybe a place where I could go to a farmer's market and there might be pot plants, there might be buds sitting there, there might be medicines or foods or whatever. What is it wouldn't matter. And the thing that would be unique about it would be there wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a problem for me to go and buy it or sell it or give it away or have it or grow it. And if if for whatever reason it was important to me, I could have fields of it. I could have rooms of it. I could have jars of its oil. I could have, I could have gallons of medicine, whatever it was. It wouldn't be an issue. And I see more than that. I see a world that has opened up its eyes and has begun to look at it without fear, but rather with wonder. And I would see the science that would come from it as we began to explore it and we began to treat people with it. We began to uh, look at it for the value that it truly has. I would see hemp fields 
I would see contaminated lands being cleared. I would see nuclear waste being treated. I would see uh, plastics being made, homes being made with hempcrete, all of the things that it can do. I would see it being done. You know, we have this island in the ocean that's made out of plastic. And it's it's not big chunks of plastic, but it's little teeny, 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 teeny pieces of plastic because plastic breaks down into these teeny, teeny, teeny pieces. But it doesn't break down further than that. And it has created this giant area that's dead. Nothing can live in it. And it's all the trash that has broken up into little pieces and stayed there. But you know what? You can make plastic out of hemp, out of cannabis. You can make that plastic, and you can make it easily. And you know what it would do? It would disappear. It would turn into nutrients. I can see that. And that's, I don't know, maybe a simplistic way of looking at it. I can also see the people I know that are currently locked up, not locked up anymore. I can see Craig Cecil uh, and me sitting on a boat somewhere fishing. We promised, I promised him that one day I'd take him fishing. And I'm going to keep that promise. And this is one of the ways I'm going to do it, by saying it out loud. By saying it in a way that hopefully is clear, that maybe we can clarify this vision. Maybe next time we say it, we can say it easier and louder and clearer. Uh, I welcome you to share my vision. I welcome you to call up and, and expand on it. <laughs> my friend Mary's decided she's got something to say. I know she's got something good to say about this. Uh, Mary's very good at this kind of thing, too. But I think we all are when we set our mind to it. And I think that, um, unfortunately, we spend our time thinking about and seeing things that are not what we want to see. And I think we get a lot of not what we want because of it. So I certainly welcome you to share this vision. I'm going to continue to work on clarifying this vision. And uh, I'm going to work on clarifying this plan. My plan initially is the same plan it's always been. And Miggy brought up a good point. We need to do it more. We need to educate people about their rights, jury nullification, about their rights to protest, about their rights, uh, about their rights to take your case to trial, about your rights to um, be defiant, to speak your mind. We have those rights. Why don't we exercise them a little more? All right, we got Pete Yapel up next, and uh, Creed Leffler's here. I think he's got some good words for us. He's got a uh, a really great thing going on right now. Pete Yapel has uh, been a pioneer in our organization. Um, he broke through the television barrier. Uh, I went up to New York, I don't know, a month and a half ago, and we went to uh, uh, a studio, and we did a, a show with a guy who, it was, it was kind of a colossal flop in my opinion, uh, we were told that it was going to be a, an interview, and it turned out it was a uh, Yeah, it was a colossal flop. It was a guy talking about. Oh, it was, brother. It was a guy talking about his agenda, and and then he turned around and said, "All right, you guys can go talk." And there was no interview, and there was no structure, and there was no plan, and 
you know, we pulled it off. It was, what, 11 o'clock at night, and, and we were all tired and waiting around for hours, but... but and then we turned was, over. <laughs> exactly. But you know what? That was the first thing... With that little girl. Oh, gosh. Uh-huh. Don't even get me started on that one. Oh, I wanted... To, well, anyway... I'm, I, I'm, I'm here to think about good things, so we're going to stay on the good thing road <laughs> That's right, right now. So, so uh, you guys are about it now, you know. <laughs> yeah, but from then till now, it's been a short, you know, six weeks or so, and you guys have just blown the door wide open on this, um, on this public access TV, and you guys have literally gotten your programming all across the state of New York and in virtually every market in New York, and you've just been picked up or seen or interviewed by um, a, a national network TV, and you potentially have an inroad into into some natu- national programming. So, I mean, you guys must be feeling awful proud. Um, how, how does this fit into the plan? I'm feeling awfully tired, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, <laughs> honest. No, honestly, man, uh, I can't. I, I like, like, listen. Like you said, that was a colossal flop. The whole TV bit. Hey, listen. The, the the visit wasn't bad. We got to meet each other. We got this, you know, gig from it. You know, just or learned about this gig, and we'll, obviously with Helen's legwork um, and wherewithal and. You know, I need to get it done. We got it done, and uh, yeah. So now, in shoot, we got six shows out now on uh, our six shows being edited and produced tonight and tomorrow before I go away. And uh, like you said, NBC News came and uh, interviewed us on Monday, uh, followed us as we again uh, interviewed uh, the gubernatorial candidate for governor here in the Libertarian Party, Larry Sharp. Uh, again, we interviewed him once on the radio show, but now that we've got TV, he was gracious enough to come. And hell, NBC came along with him too, and which was fantastic. And I got the opportunity again. Yes, as you said, I got to the next morning get on uh, uh, the call on a call with NBC Studios, and I was transferred over. And I can't really tell a lot about what's going on, but we definitely have uh, pitched an idea to them and. Hopefully we hear back from them soon and we can get legs on. Once we get legs, we'll definitely share all that. But uh, it's moved fast. You know, I mean, it's been real fast. But, Joe, it has to be here in New York. I mean, I just spent the last uh, 45 minutes waiting for Helen to get out of work, uh, talking and and counseling at the bar. Because you have – people here have zero idea even what CBDs are. You know, it's so – it's a shame, you know, and uh, like you were saying, what I want someday, and as much as I love doing my radio show and I love doing my TV show, I hope I never have to do one about cannabis. I just want it to be as normal and as natural as a glass of water. That's my vision. I don't, I don't want just because the name cannabis brought up that there has to be something for it. It doesn't need it. I mean, the plant will be here when we're gone. It will replenish the earth and heal it after we're gone from us screwing it up. And it, and, and who are we to bastardize it? Um, uh, but uh, uh, we're, uh, we're getting ready, though. Listen to this, everybody. You're probably going to have a heart attack. We are getting ready to try to take five days off. Um, <laughs> go on vacation. 
<laughs> but I, I'll be working the whole time except for Saturday. No one call me Saturday when I give my number. Uh, please don't call me Saturday. Uh, any other day I'll be available. But, yeah, we're going to South Carolina for five days uh, to a family reunion of Helen's. We're getting to get away. Uh, yeah. Good, good, good well, stuff. I, I so, uh, two people that deserved a vacation more than you guys. So, um, uh, yeah, I, don't, I don't know about that. It, you and Liz, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Um, well, Pete, it's always, always a pleasure. And I appreciate that little addition to the plan, to the vision. I, I, I can see that too. I can see this show not being about ending prohibition anymore, but maybe being about the the virtues of cannabis or maybe just being about um, some other cause that it's time to take on or some combination right. of it. I definitely right. will include that in the vision. I think that that's a, that's going to be a new thing is I'm going to identify this vision. I'm going to write it out a little bit more clearer and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to work at painting the picture that we want to see. And hopefully maybe we can get more and more people to start seeing that picture and maybe we can make it just by seeing it. Absolutely, Joe. Absolutely. And listen, man, I want everybody, please, you know, we do have elections going on. I mean, there are people running that are great people, but there are people that are in positions that I'm telling you, the short time I've been, I mean, like, Becca Nichols, if you are going to run against Becca, please, please understand that you really better be superlative because she is very exceptional. Joe as well. I mean, Joe is the greatest leader I have ever followed, and that there, there's just no no lie about that in any, in any aspect of my life that I have, work. Anything. Joe, 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 the integrity of Joe. Joe is what he says and says what he is, and that's it. And uh, uh, you can't expect any more from a good person. So uh, if you're going up against him, please uh, understand you're in for a fight there, too. But uh, uh, vote, get in touch with us if you need us, www.canowetalk420.com. Not 420 like 420, it's 42 and the small letter O. You can reach me also by phone at any time, 845-522-3162. Peace to everybody. Hope you all have a good weekend. I plan on trying. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Pete. And, uh, you know, Pete and Helen Yapel, if you've never uh, had the pleasure to work with them, um, all that stuff he's talking about me, um, it's one of those things, you know, when somebody's talking shit about you and they're pointing their finger at you, there's three fingers pointing back. Well, when Pete's singing all those praises, um, there's the same three fingers pointing back. And I, I, I don't respect a lot of people in a way that I respect Pete and Helen. And what I mean by that isn't for their humanity, but for their sheer drive and their sheer willingness to stay focused and push and keep this so important that they've sacrificed so much around them and, and, and regardless of, of health or, or financial issues or whatever, I've watched these guys for years now um, just pounding away. And, and I think that when we finally locked arms and started working together, 
Um, I think it not only improved all the causes that they were already working for, but I think it absolutely strengthened and, and, and made our organization that much better. And that's why my message is we need to unify. We need to get together. We need to work together. So, all right. Now, one of my favorite people in the world, non-compliant Mary's got something to say. And let's see what that is. Mary, welcome to the show as always. Hey, can you hear me okay? I hear you loud and clear. Okay, good. I just had a quick comment you were asking before about you don't know why pre- prohibition, you know, hasn't um ended already. I think it's really very simple. It's because it's an it's a revenue generator and all we need to do as patients, as conscious individuals, is to make it not be a positive cash flow. And so every time a defendant, um, someone is caught in that trap, it's a matter of hanging in there, getting the right representation, and walking through it and becoming a deficit rather than a positive cash flow. I think that the majority of these folks are not against cannabis, but they are for the money. So all we need to do is just remove the money from the equation by standing firm, and I think that's all we need to do. It'll end. My two cents. I like that. That's it. I feel like we're making some progress. We're beginning to articulate what our end game is. What's it going to look like when we're done? And I think that that's important. So we're gonna we're gonna take the money out of it. You know, take yep. the take the, the financial uh, gain out of this whole thing. And I think if it's free, the way we just described it, you can have it. You can do what you want with it. It almost inherently takes the money out of it. Does it have a value? Of course it has a value. Is it is it a, a rate of exchange of some sort? Of course it is. But is it is it a market that can be exploited the way it is? Is it a is it a, a a crop to harvest offenders the way it is? That's we take that out of it and I think all of a sudden it it falls flat and I think that's that's gonna be critical. Well Mary, I love that idea and um I'm 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 pleased to add that to the picture. So I think that that's part of what we need to do is just keep clarifying this. And let's, you know, if you've ever been into a drum circle, typically one or two drummers will start it out and they'll they'll start a beat out. And then if it's a good drum circle and people know how to drum, different people will come in and they'll they'll bring strength to that original beat. And then more and more people will have that same beat, and it'll get louder and louder and louder. It becomes almost like a heartbeat. And then you'll get people that'll go off and do little riffs, and it'll, it'll, it'll change and pulse. But having that initial drum beat, you know, that the, yes. the beat goes on, as our, as our opening song talks about, um, I think that there's a power to that that we need to, we need to begin. We need, to, we need to really get this drum beat um, you know, to be clear, that we all need to start pounding the same rhythm together, and I think that's what we're beginning to do here. Maybe this is where it all starts. Maybe the beginning of the end has just uncorked out of this show today. You know, I have I have goosebumps as you're talking about that. I just felt that that drum beat and and just the like you said, the little riffs coming in later. It doesn't have to be exactly the same as long as we're just in that same arena. It kind of pulls itself together. And it's just amazing. Oh. I love it. Yes. 
Excellent. Well, Mary, um, you are quite a drummer, um, and you typically beat to a different tune, and we love that tune. So <laughs> I uh, appreciate you and everything you do. So I uh, we're going to keep going. We're actually we're actually now uh, down to less than a half an hour of the show, and I still got stuff to say. And there's still other people that have uh, things to add. So we're going to keep moving. Uh, All right, once again, thank you. Mary, non-compliant Mary, one of our board members. She's our primary screener, and um, she's just an amazing individual. If you are a fortunate human being, you'll have a chance to meet and get to know her. All right, let's go to Creed. Um, Creed Leffler is a friend of the show. He's already on the live feed, so his um, petition has already been posted. Um, and Creed has been doing some good work. He created a, a petition um, to decriminalize cannabis, to deschedule it. And um, he's been on a mission to meet up with a guy by the name of Wiz Khalifa. And apparently, um, through his hard work and, and diligence, um, got some sort of a meeting scheduled. So um, hopefully that's going to play out in a way that um, will bring the desired result because his thought is, and I agree with it, if you can get a celebrity like this guy Wiz to get behind this petition, to talk about it, to take his following and direct it towards this one simple idea, whether it's this petition or that petition or this law or that law or this bill or that law or that bill, what matters is that we're starting to pound that drum beat, and we're starting to speak with one voice, and that's what needs to happen, and that's what we're talking about. So, Creed, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Good. How are you all? Doing fantastic. Today's a good day. I actually got to meet him last Saturday. Oh, this Saturday? Oh, All right. That's Saturday. fantastic. Um, he did say he would promote it. He hasn't done it yet, but he's on tour. So let's give him a couple months and see what he does. I caught about two-thirds of that operator. Can you help me out a little bit? He did say he would promote it. He hasn't done it yet, but he's on tour. So let's give him a couple months and see what he does. Oh, that's fantastic. Good job, Creed. So at least getting even even an acknowledgement that he said he'll promote it, that's fantastic. And we're up to 680. Three. Right Beautiful. Six hundred and eighty signatures on the petition, and the Three. petition is up already on the live feed. If you haven't signed it, please come forward and sign it. You know, we got the human solution and our supporters and freedom fighters from all over the world that are listening to the show, and it's the easiest thing. You click on it, uh, you fill out a couple of things, and boom, you're in there. You signed it. And, you know, 6,800 out of, what do we have, 350 million? I'd say we got a little ways to go. Yeah. However, 
it's a great start, and to get 6,000 people to say one thing at one time is powerful. Creed, you help make that happen. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. All right, Creed. Well, we're, uh, as always, running out of time, but I appreciate you coming on the show, as always, and uh, look forward to talking to you next week. Bye. Bye. All right. Creed Leffler, folks, a regular on the show and quite an activist. He's getting a lot done out there, and I can't imagine what it would be like if there weren't more people putting the effort in that he is. All right. Um, I'm going to tell a little story. <clears throat> Try to keep it short. Um, you know, people talk about family, and I talk about family and what that means. And what it means to me might be different than what it means to you. Um, I come from a big family, a big old Italian Catholic family full of amazing, wonderful people. And I love my family. And I always grew up feeling that blood was thicker than water and and family always sticks together. And, and, you know, when you say the word family, some of the closest relationships I had in my life were family. By family, I meant blood relatives. And then one day, I got arrested for pot and thrown in jail. And that progressed on. I beat that case. Family wasn't all that interested in it. They didn't really turn their back on me, but they didn't either. Didn't help either. And then I beat that case, and five weeks later I got arrested again, thrown in jail. And the big nightmare, the second wave of this nightmare, began. And I dug in for a big fight. And at that time, you know, the human solution was starting to gain some traction. Right at the end of my first case is when the Human Solution became an organization, um, an official organization. And after the raid, after after um, you know we were raided and I was arrested before I was even charged, we organized and we went out to our first event. We began to do the work that we're doing today. And. My family found out about me having this case. And, you know, I'm the oldest of six. I have four sisters and a brother. And through the next six years, um, one family member showed up one day in court for me out of, I don't know, I think there was a total of 200 days in court. And um, one family member uh, bought some tamales when I was selling tamales, raising money for legal defense. This is before the days of GoFundMe. We actually had to work for it. Um, And that family member told me that they supported me, you know, in spirit. Um, One family member that was very close to me I I had what I consider to be my last meal with this person. Um, And they went on to explain to me that it was just too much for them to deal with. Um, 
one family member was there for me, and that was my father and his wife. And he he was there for me. Out of all my family, he was the one that uh, got it, got what I was doing, got why I was fighting. And it wasn't about uh, my case. It wasn't about my freedom, but it was about this bigger picture. It was about ending prohibition. It was about breaking through this wall. Somebody had to stand up. Somebody had to fight. And he got that. He was a surgeon, and he took a day off of work to be there for my trial one day. Um, his wife was there every day, and she stopped her life and became part of part of our our work. Every day she was there in court. Every day she was there supporting me, and and that was it. And I I have a, a large extended family. I'm the oldest uh, grandchild of a very large family. I think I have something like over a hundred cousins, first cousins. My dad was the oldest of 12, and so that means I've got 11 aunts and uncles. Well, one of them died, so I've got 10 living aunts and uncles. And I was very close to some of them. And through all this, I didn't go out of my way to reach out to the family, but they knew. I didn't want to burden them if they weren't interested enough to come around and, and even talk to me. And they didn't. And after I was convicted and before I was sentenced, or to be sentenced, I never was actually sentenced. <laughs> Anyways, uh, before that was to happen, I, I did meet with three of my family members. And when they knew that I was likely going to go to prison, um, a bunch of them got together one day out at my place and helped clean it up as a gesture to help my family. Um, through all of this, six years of hardship, we almost lost our house a couple of times. I wasn't able to make money the way normally I would have. Um, fighting a six-year battle takes up a lot of energy and time and lawyer fees and all of it. It just was brutal. Um, people I didn't know very well did step up and help. People I got to know very well did step up and help. But I'm talking about my blood family. Um, and very recently, I, I went to a little event, and I met up with my family, a number of them. And I hadn't seen a lot of them since my dad's funeral over two years ago. And a funeral is a place where, you know, people come together regardless of how they feel about each other, um, because it's important, and we do what's important when the time comes. And these are good people. Don't get me wrong. All of these people are good people. I don't know. I don't have a family blood member that I'd say either. That one's a piece of crap. They're good people. But the point is, when we think about family and we think about what's important to us, uh, the two don't necessarily mean the same thing when you're talking about blood. And at this event very recently, I have a family member who I was very close with. In fact, <laughs> years and years ago, I grew with this family member in a clandestine way. We we grew cannabis in 
remote part of the world, allegedly. And we did it on purpose. He, or that person did it um, for financial gain. I did it because it's what I did. Um, but that was something that we shared in common at one moment for a brief period of time. And while we were sitting there at this, at this family activity event, the conversation came up about cannabis. And I was actually speaking with a, a cousin, one of my many cousins, about cannabis medicine. And, and this person is a health practitioner and was very supportive. And this person didn't really know what my case was all about. It never really came to their attention when it was happening because we weren't close. Um, but as we began talking about the medicine, um, this other family member said, well, I just can't support recreational because you can't um, identify when somebody's impaired the same way we can with alcohol. And I began a discussion about my thoughts on that subject, which common sense would easily fix. You know, if we had a simulator, um, just like you have a, a flight simulator or a driving simulator, and you were to strap somebody in it and have a test, a real test, spend five minutes in a video game, and you'll pretty much be able to tell if somebody's impaired or not. Um, pretty, pretty, not that subjectively. I think that you could make it clear enough where, you know, impairment would show itself. I think that could be done. But, of course, that was never going to fly because it wasn't subjective. And the conversation, my wife got into it. I turned my head because I realized I was would have been speaking to deaf ears after I laid out a proposal for something that made sense. But it went on and on and on, and, and you know, my wife is <laughs> ardent. When she gets into uh, a, a conversation about something, she really digs in, and, and, and she, you know, wants you to understand it the way she sees it. And she was very elegant, articulate about the way she explained it, but just wouldn't change his thought about it. And just, no, I'm not supporting it. And I, I, I threw out something, you know, I was sitting there listening for the most part. But I sat there and I said, well, what about, you know, the prison sentencing? What about the penalties for this? Oh, it should just be like alcohol, no matter what. And the thing that was interesting is that during this time, he was, I'll just say he, because it was a he, he poured himself another margarita. And I thought to myself, wow, I, I'm sure that alcohol is good. And I don't have a problem with alcohol. I mean, I have a problem with the abuse of alcohol because I have a lot of experience with personal abusing alcohol and plenty of people that do and what, the way they act and the way they are. But as the night went on, uh, that conversation finally died, and I thought to myself, you know, that exemplifies one of the many reasons why we haven't ended prohibition, because everybody finds a reason why they just can't get behind it. Everybody has something that says, well, but this, well, but that, and it doesn't affect them directly. And his wife made some comment, well, I just can't handle being around people that are high. Oh, and that was the other thing. He had gone to Colorado, and he noticed, in his infinite observance, 
he noticed that everybody up there, or a significant number of people up there, were just really high and really just stupid. And it, it was he couldn't believe that that somebody could be at a job and be just high and stupid. And I said, well, gee, I've known plenty of people that were drunk on the job um, all the time. And, oh, well, they should just be fired. Okay, whatever. The point was I, I listened to this, somebody that has my blood pulsing through their veins, somebody that I grew up with, somebody that I've known for since I was a young child, somebody who I spent time growing pot with at one time, talking like this. And I thought to myself, wow, no wonder. And later on during the night, as as he had drank more and more, he uh, we were sitting at the campfire, and he was doing something. And in the course of doing something, he whacked me in the knee with a piece of wood. On purpose, not hard, just being, you know, funny. <laughs> and I instinctively threw my knee up in his face. My foot went up, my knee went up, my foot went up in his face, and it threw some sand in his eye. And later on the course of the night, um, he was laid out from that. <laughs> and, um, you know, aunts and uncles and, and cousins came and flushed his eyes out. Next day, I guess he had to go to the emergency room, and they just discovered that he had a scratch on his cornea. And I thought to myself, that was alcohol. Yeah. That wasn't pot. And it's not that there's a specific lesson to this, but the lesson is when I left this event, and I, I had some great conversations with some family members that are blood family, but I realized why I don't spend a lot of time with my family. And then I think to myself, to the people that I have made my family, the people that have taken their own time and their own resources and their own money and their own energy and made personal sacrifices for me and for others and, and, and for this cause that's greater than all of us, I realize that as we get older and we start having people die, you realize at one point, hopefully, that one of the only reasons that life is important is the relationships that we share. And I think to myself, you know, these relationships that I've built as a result of the choices I've made and the, the, the things that I've done and the things that are important to me, I value tremendously. And I had a grandma die maybe two years ago, and I didn't go to her funeral. I didn't go to her funeral because we weren't close. I didn't have a relationship with her. And I wasn't going to pretend I did. And uh, I was close with her when I was a very young child, but as we got older, we grew apart. And I think to myself that this cause is a noble cause. It's a big cause. It's a cause that's bigger than all of us. And it's a cause that brings people together in a way that is profound. And it's a way that can build relationships that can be profound. And I think that if we can look around, look to each other, and see the people that you spend your time with, and see the things that you do with those people, take a minute, maybe appreciate them a little bit. It doesn't matter to me if they have your blood running through their veins. It doesn't matter to me if you've known them for a, a day, a week, a month, or all your life. 
Those things aren't necessarily important on their own. But what is important is what do we have in common? What 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 are we what do we hold important? And what do we share? And is it important enough to do something about? And that's my little story for today. I hope it matters. It matters to me, so I guess it matters. And one final note I have before we go to Tom Corby to close the show up. I don't know if uh, George is going to join us today because uh, he's arriving at the Seattle Hemp Fest and he said he's going to call in if he can, but he may be on an airplane right now. I want you to think about the difference between constructive energy and destructive energy and the power that each one holds. Now, constructive energy is limitless. Constructive energy can do anything. It can create anything. It's the energy of love. It's the energy of, of creativity. It's the energy of thought, of goodness. It's white magic. It's, it's prayer. It's all of the things that are good in the world. And anything is possible with constructive energy. The forest that you see around it was created with constructive energy. It, if you believe it just happened, well, it just happened with constructive energy. Constructive energy can do anything, but it's fragile. It can be tremendously powerful, but it requires a tremendous amount of energy to accomplish the things that it does. And that's why, in so many ways, it's so difficult to accomplish constructive things because it requires a tremendous amount of thought and a tremendous amount of love and a tremendous amount of energy and stick-to-itiveness and fortitude. All those things are not so common in the world. And then we have destructive energy. And destructive energy doesn't need a lot of thought. Destructive energy is typically rooted in emotion. Very few people, aside from maybe psychopaths, really sit and plan their destructive actions very deeply. They just lash out and do something destructive. But the damage that can happen from destructive energy can go on infinitely, can destroy endlessly. Think of the, the single flare or match or whatever the fuck the guy who started the fire in Riverside or in, in Holy Jim Canyon last week did. It was one single act and the forest went up. And the thing that that set in motion was so devastating. I've had 747s flying over my house. I've had twin engine planes flying over, helicopters scooping up water, watching smoke all over. I vacuumed my pool four times already, and the ashes still haven't come out. There's ashes all over everything. People have lost their homes. How many animals have died? How many trees have burned down? How many, what, what a scar has been placed on the earth as a result of this one destructive act? And think about the same thing happening when you get, somebody gets accused of something they didn't do. When I was accused by the government of doing something I didn't do, I had activists come out against me. Well, you did this, you did that. Because why? Because the government said I did, really? 
But the destruction that came out of those accusations went on, continue on to this day. And it goes on and on and on. Destructive energy is exponentially more powerful than constructive energy, and yet constructive energy is infinite what it can do. Where are you putting your energy? What are you spending your time with? Which wolf are you feeding? Take a minute maybe today and give it some thought. Maybe maybe let's work with the plan. Let's let's do something constructive on purpose. Reach out and maybe let's find somebody we can share that with. Maybe let's build a relationship a little bit better. Maybe let's do a little bit more. Let's try a little harder. Let's care a little bit more. Let's pay a little more attention. I don't know. Worth a shot. All right, we got Tom Corby to wrap the show up today, and uh, let's see what Tom's got to say. Tom Corby, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Oh, well, we're doing okay. I'm here with Frank and Ann, and uh, as always, I want to thank Joe and all those on the front line, and not to hey, forget Frank. the coffee. Yeah. How's it going, Joe? Love you guys. Miss you guys. Going great. Going great. Excellent. Glad to hear. Right, so Frank and I, uh, I talked last week. We were down at a, uh, a little festival with our, our, uh, our friend Tito and, and uh, Steve Givens uh, with the uh, Dopus Lopus Band. Now, uh, I'm going to say something right here about Steve Givens. Uh, I didn't know that he went back with Jack here, Eddie Lapp. Uh He was the ice cream man. And since then, we've connected Eddie Lapp, Steve Givens, and uh, uh, a, re- a, a reunion of sorts, and of course, Jack cares. Uh, all of, all our goal and visions with the human solution is to end prohibition. And like Mary said, thanks to the great screening. Like she said, it's always the fault of the money. Always, they're all making money on us, and all the big billions of dollars in lobbying, Congress, uh, especially big farm. So, yeah, we're up against Goliath, but you know what? Truth and justice always prevail. Uh, I feel that uh, Dan is coming near trans prohibition, finally free all our POWs. Uh, I talked last week uh, about this new case uh, up in Berry Creek, and uh, I finally got uh, Tony uh, Angro and his wife uh, what I'm getting now, uh, we're busted with 250 plants, and Frank was there with me, too, if he wants to add something here. And uh, first thing I asked him, uh, how many uh, recommendations they have, because believe me, in California, they, they definitely still apply, and uh, the doctors do rule when they come in there, people stand at attention. So uh, uh, I asked him, I said, so uh, did you have any plants in flower? And he said, yes, 100. So what that gets down to is a couple hundred plants. And when we talk about Eddie Lepp, what he went to prison for us for seven and a half years uh, to, for the 99 plant rule that we can use in, in this case, and we've used in many cases, especially with Joseph Tully. Uh, <clears throat> they had no, uh, they only spent one day in trial. I mean, excuse me, they're not going to trial. My first point is we don't go to trial, and they're not. But they only spent a day in jail. Uh, 
they uh, they both have recommendations, and they can get uh, friends that were in part of the garden. The more uh, recommendations you come in with, that many plants, the better for you in your case. Uh, there's no complaining. Now think about it. Uh, Sue taught me years ago, uh, Lakota, the zone as well, that if there's no complaining, there cannot be a case. Now, number two, uh, the first thing you do when you get a case, uh, who is the complainant? He asked, actually asked the sheriff. The sheriff said there is no complaint. So what is it? It's a flyover. They can't do it. We've already beat it in trial. They cannot do it. So their case looks real good. Furthermore, there's no prior. Priors, no guns, no hard drugs, uh, no money, and no manufacturing. Uh, furthermore, the reason Frank and I are giving them two-to-one odds, this case will be dismissed. It will never go to trial. They got Jodea Foster. He's not only a PD, he's one of the best attorneys in Northern California. He ranks right up there with Joseph Tully. He also has a... <laughs> All right. back on track. That's pretty cool. My phone falls to the floor. It's still working. <laughs> he has a partner, Cardoso, too. And also they they have Saul Hansen, and they have quite a already. Uh, so uh, I'm on... I'm on, on uh, I'm text message with him, and uh, I waited for him. Because, uh, he, he's going his next hearing uh, is the 16th. So I come back and I said, "So what? What day? What month? And what time?" Well, hasn't got back. That's okay. Uh, we know now that uh, because they have good attorneys, the first attorney does is get your discovery, not only for them, for you. And once you get that discovery, you start. Working your case, we always go halfway with you. We'll work your with you on your case. No one knows your case better than you. Think about that, because they have discovery now, and they're going to come. He's going to come over. He's going to come over this weekend. But we went up to Reno with Dr. Allen and Frank for, with my uh, with my daughter Karina, which Joe knows well. Uh, and uh, so we're going to get together. And down with his discovery and the police your police report by the way is your first discovery. Stanley Bean told me that when, after we got but uh how could you don't know exactly what now point being here is that be careful what you do say because a lot of times like at all like uh, one case uh Bart seven he said I think I had about a hundred and fifty Plans. Well, it turns out they only charge them with eight times, so there there applies nine plan rule. And don't and when we talk about nine plans, it's been under nine. the six plans uh, collective applies? Uh, there's they're actually kind uh, of allowing uh, six collective members and thirty plans. Uh, uh, we that in court for those in California. Uh, so we're not sure uh, when his hearing is. Uh, he's 16th, but no matter, Joe knows now, uh, all these hearings, we cannot be wasting our time and our, on our funds on continuance. The reason we, it's almost automatic, unless we, they go in and they decide to dismiss it, and that can happen. It actually happened to show one day. Uh, 
been uh, then now that they got the discovery, not only the defendants and the attorney, but the DA needs needs time to review the discovery. Uh, we always shoot for two or three months of twenty four case. Uh, and they'll talk about uh, the family and uh, constructive energy. Uh, I think we all go through some of that with our family. And uh, I like that uh, try to think positive instead of negative, uh, not only just for my own self uh, being, uh, okay, well, I, I'm not going to take time today. And uh, I want to thank everybody in the listen and prohibition uh, come and join us, help and volunteer at the humanitarianinternational.org. And thank you all today, and get to breathe. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Tom Corby. Um, Tom is a lion of a man and a warrior, uh, unlike many I've seen, and uh, it's always a pleasure to be standing along his side as we're battling towards the end of Prohibition. And I know when this wall falls down, Tom will be standing by my side, and we will celebrate together, and of this I am certain. I want to thank everybody who made this show possible today. I want to thank Lisa Wildridge, my vice president and video uh, mistress. And um, I want to thank Miggy for coming on. Uh, Miggy's awesome. And uh, Pete Yapel, of course. Um, And everybody else. Mary, of course, is our amazing screener. And... um, Pontificator. I uh, I don't know how many people are listening today, but I think that what we set in motion today with some simple words and some thoughts um, is going to carry forward, and I think it's going to reveal itself more and more as these shows continue on. Thank you all, and we'll see you next week. I am Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse The Human Solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. Little things I should have said and done, you were always on my mind. You were always on my mind. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.